school. If you ask your child who just finished school if somebody hurt them, they will remember it in detail. So if you are listening to the survivors, they remember those things from long ago. It's etched in their mind and has been disturbing them for a long time, distressing them in some ways, because nothing has been done to account for the responsibility and obligation as a man and a woman to take and protect our children. I've spent my journey, my life journey, learning about who I am, and I'm always empowering our people. They always say they're less than, everything is less than, but the magnitude of our presence, our presence, that says we still have survived everything that has been put upon us and we are so resilient, and we will still be here. And if we're not here, then you won't be here. Because we know how to take care of and conduct ourselves on our own homeland. Our worldview is holistic. It includes creation. We are always expressing our gratitude each and every day for the gifts, for Jesus, the sun for shining on us, for waking up to another day, thanking for the very simple things that we sustain ourselves with, the food that we eat, it comes from the land. The earth, our mother earth, she will continue to exist and thrive without our existence. We, as the people, we rely on her presence to share that with us. And we haven't, we've been just taking and taking and taking more, taking more, taking more, and never ever stopping to think, what does she need? Ask any woman from the missing and murdered women, do they know the experiences that Shkakamokwe is experiencing? That they dig on her skin and tear at her heart, pollute the water. Do they understand that? They do very, very, very dearly. They've given their lives and they have been dismissed, erased. And I think the thing is, it's the same with our residential school survivors and the things that they witnessed as children. Those experiences are true, and that's the truth that we experience. We need you to start acknowledging your part in all of this. Have you been compliant with your silence? Have you stepped up for one or two times when there was an issue on the environment? Have you reached in your pocket to give a donation? And I'm grateful for all those things. But things need to change, and you already feel that change is coming.
We've been feeling it all along, the changes of all the things I've described. We've had to adapt to the taking. We have to adapt to industry and resource extraction that's taking the resources. How can it be in my homeland that my people can't have clean drinking water in 65 communities? Even right over here next door at Washington or Six Nations, however you know it, not all the people have the same opportunity to turn on their taps. I know that. I've been visiting there for a long time since I've been here. And they're only an hour and some away. How can that exist in 2021? And they're our neighbors. The other thing I want to say is that we have children here, and I don't want to be um, creating a heaviness. I want to acknowledge some of the things I've seen that in the past few days, this down here, it kind of reminds me of the 60s, you know? Peace, <laughs> cool, <laughs> groovy. <laughs> so, I want to acknowledge the people that contribute to that and, and trying to release and say something, find a voice, try to do something in a positive way. I heard about this 10-year-old child who made hundreds of hearts in his community, and he took it upon himself to go all to the businesses and ask them to act in solidarity by displacing this paper heart in their window. Now isn't that something that a 10-year-old child would take it upon himself to do that? Does he understand truly to the core of his very spirit that this is wrong? I need to do something. I need people to be aware of how I feel and I'm going to take action to do something about it. I heard about another school child in Guelph who went around her neighborhood and put out 215 hearts and just kept chalk drying until there were 215. I don't know these children, but she knew. She needed to do something too. And she was coming from a place of love, caring, sharing that voice. I have a granddaughter. My daughter just had a daughter. And one of the things I recognize as a Kukum is that my, my granddaughter is carrying my grandchild already before she is even born. Women are given a certain amount of seeds when we're, we're conceived. We carry them through our life for that time to regenerate. And I thought that was pretty profound that I already have met my great-grandchildren in, in a certain kind of way. And I thought to myself, wow, 
that is very um, empowering to know that, and humbling to know that I'm standing with four generations, and standing behind me was my mother and my grandmother, I knew them. So that's six. My great-grandchild and her children will be the eighth generation. So it's not hard to consider what we're doing now. How is it going to impact the next seven generations? Now I want to acknowledge something here today, that this gathering was pulled off on the faith and belief that we could perform miracles. We have no budget, but we have a lot of love and caring. And we went up and down, up and down, but that's part of the process because we live in an environment that's not supportive. speaking the truth of their time. This is their time. And I want to thank every one of them for helping. From Manigaming First Nation, I come to speak today on behalf of my family and as well as my mother um, that went to an Indian day school and my Kukum that went to a residential um, school. It's This month, July, is very emotional for me on top of all the news that has been being found things of, uh, at other residential schools and um, this month is uh, 17 years since my mom has passed away and um, you know it means so much for me because we never had a chance you know to talk and a lot of us have family that have passed on and, and things like that and it's not something that people can just say you know get over it you know intergenerational trauma you know is something so real if you went to a reservation and you saw the issues right now with our youth like from intergenerational trauma you know lives being lost and all these things you know in residential schools the students were mistreated terribly terribly they were starved and nourished very poorly that's why you know, a lot of us nowadays, we're dealing with intergenerational trauma and with health issues and things like that because our ancestors, you know, they were treated, you know, really aggressively at residential school. You know, the people, if they spoke their own indigenous language, they would have a, a severe punishment, you know, very severe punishment. And that's why a lot of us nowadays, you know, we don't 
know our indigenous language because our parents, grandparents were, they were very, you know, mistreated, beating up because of them speaking their indigenous language. So, you know, it's very important, you know, to come together as people and to educate yourselves on the topics, you know, that finally the truth is being heard of all these things that have happened. Um, my mother that went to an Indian day school, she was harassed on a daily basis by the principal of the school that would send her letters and say in love with her, you know, she totally a minor and inappropriate. Our people were har harassed and mistreated, you know, incredibly and as well, you know, to raise awareness, not only residential schools, but Indian day school and 60s scoop, you know, all these issues that are going on. And, you know, I just ask, you know, everyone that, um, you know, Chimi Gwich for standing here today and educating yourselves on, you know, all these different things. A lot of us grew up, you know, with um, losing our parents at a very young age or not even be able to, to know them. So it's been very hard, but aside, you know, from intergenerational trauma, we also have intergenerational strength that we each carry from our ancestors. And we have, you know, our spirit guides that are there for us and our communities that are so united, but it's time to, to acknowledge that and that today, you know, isn't a day that is to be celebrated. You know, if you had your neighbor that was, that lost their family, but now finding, you know, there's the schools across Canada, more residential schools have to be searched across Canada. It's very important, um, you know, and, um, all of that, if you ever want to see any resources of organizations that are indigenous-led or support indigenous youth, uh, feel free to check out the We Matter website, wemattercampaign.org, where you can also send in your own message and support towards indigenous youth. There's many ways in seeing that. Um, Chiniguech. Think about that. Okay, miigwech. So first, I want to talk about that church and like churches in general. Um, that church I found out recently was built uh, from money sent by Maximilian, who was this emperor in Mexico from from Austria. He was part of the Habsburgs, and all money in Mexico comes from black and indigenous slave labor and exploitation. So that church there was built with my tribe's money and land and resources. The thing I'm standing on right now was built from my tribe. All these places of worship, where do they come from? All these buildings, where do they come from? Every single little thing you see, everything nice in this country that we see, where does it come from? Because I've had a lot of people telling me um, that they want to support Native people because they, they're proud to be Canadian, and being Canadian means 
fixing things and peaceful or whatever. I don't know. Something like that. That's not what it means. You should, if, if you're here because you feel bad, but you're gonna celebrate next year, I don't know what you're doing here. And I wanna ask people, you know, because I grew up here and my parents didn't really, like I always knew I was native, but my parents didn't really get into the politics of that or anything. And we tried to fit in with the whole Canadian thing as a kid. But then we started talking to other people. And we're like, this is, what are we doing, man? This is silly. There's, what are we doing? There's some fireworks. That's, a, that's Canadian culture or whatever. I don't know what that is. But um, I think I can see why people think there's something worth celebrating or whatever. But there isn't. They're deluded. If you're here and you want to really stand with us, you have to turn your back to Canada. If you're here and you really stand with us, if you want to support indigenous people, you can't call yourself a Canadian any longer. When, the, when your anthem plays, don't stand. When the flag waves, tell them they should burn it down. Because what is Canada? What is this country? Nothing. 12 friggin' mining companies in a trench coat lying to you that you have anything in common with them. I wasn't gonna come because I'm so angry about all this stuff. Like, people saying that they'll celebrate because Canada's still done some good things. Would you celebrate if they did that to your child? And I mean, the people who have children today, living children, if the Canadian government paid money to the church and told them to do the things that they did to our children, to yours, would you celebrate? Thank you. <laughs> um, I also just want to speak about uh, the ways that we have been resilient culture is dying, they always say. They tried so hard, they spent 150 years trying to kill people up here. They've spent 500 years, 520, 25, 26, 27, something like that. A good five centuries, which is really nothing in the whole course of human history, but they spent a long time trying to kill us. Yet, maybe up here we don't outnumber you, but down south we do. And up here we're the fastest growing population. And up here, everyone's asking me about my culture. Up here, they're always telling me how beautiful my culture is, how amazing it is, even if they don't support anything of, that uh, benefits us truly. They tried so hard, and they tried in vain. Because that sort of evil can never truly defeat. And all they've done is bring that evil back to them. Because what do Canadians have? besides wealth. What do you actually have? What does this country actually have besides peace of mind that no one's gonna blow up your your neighbor's house or whatever from country from from weapons sent over by other countries? Because that's what's happened. 
Canada sending money over and weapons and arming other countries, starting these conflicts. People come over here, they immigrate, they, they're happy for a place of mind, but I don't know a single immigrant friend that is impressed beyond that. I'm not. <laughs> and I just, I always think about that when this, whenever things like this come up. And I'm thinking about that number, the, what is it, 1,500 now? 1,505 children. And how people just walk around like it's nothing. There's people down there having their little Canada Day lunches or whatever the fuck. Sorry, excuse my language. You know, those people down there having their little lunches. The people that'll blast fireworks tonight. You know what? I say all of you, stock up on your fireworks and annoy your neighbors in two weeks, eh? Do that. And there's really, I, haven't, I, don't, I don't really have any words to describe the, the way it feels to, you know, just know that everywhere you walk is a cemetery to see the symbols of colonialism everywhere. It is a prison that we live in as indigenous people on our own lands where we have these outside European forces telling us what to do, telling me what to do, telling me I can go here and there, but not over there and not over there, telling me I have to follow their laws, telling me I can't have a fire in my backyard, telling me that if I defend myself against racism, I will go to jail. If I do anything that upsets their governments, their governments from Europe, their laws from Europe, we will go to jail. Most native people in jails today are residential school survivors. I know people in my family that are residential school survivors, day school survivors, and 60 scoop survivors, and they're the same person. And there's just, I don't really know what we're supposed to do. Everyone's asking me what to do. I don't know. What do we do? What do we do when if we actually do anything that matters, the police will kill us? or imprison us, they'll send the military on us. Every time we do anything that actually disrupts Canada, disrupts these settlers, and disrupts everything they do, they come in to kill us. They try, they're not very good at it. See it over from land back in Six Nations, you know, it's been a year, the OPP, they've, <laughs> how much money have they wasted on something, just a few little, little acres for some ugly little houses, for some people that, think that this house is all there is to be. Um, all of this and all this wealth and the price it came for, I would rather live in a cave. You know, in a cave with no clothes, no food, nothing, than kill millions of people for the wealth we have. And that is what people are meaning when they say, well, Canada's done a lot of good things. They, they're saying that it was worth the murder of millions that it's worth the murder of many more in the future as Canada's created this climate change stuff. It was worth all of our debts for these momentary things, for these cars and our phones and all these things that we are to use now to survive in this weird little society. That it was worth all of that. But I don't think it was. I don't think it ever will be. And I'd rather none of us be here today than if 500 years ago, none of us died then. So, just think about all those little kids and their families and their surviving nations. 
deny rights to. Think about um, every little step you take and what has happened on this land, what has happened in this city. So alienated and far away from native communities that most people in Guelph, you know, all over there with John Gall, some random Scottish dude. People have to pretend it was some great hero of Canada to create this fabricated identity. They got him and a deer that represents us. We're a deer to this city. We're a little painted friggin' deer. You know, I don't know. I'm trying to be very nice with my words. We got elders and stuff. But... down their flags? Are you gonna start looking for something beyond this fabricated identity that makes you loyal to them? Are you gonna question all of the things that we have in this country, all of our institutions? I hope so. Because all of them, even our lovely escorts, where do that where does that come from? Think about that. Okay, me question. Good afternoon. I'm Tony. I'm Inuk. My son is Inuk. I come from Nunavik, Northern Quebec. And I am here in Ontario and in the Squaw area because I was stolen the day I was born. And we are all together again, and this is a day of reflection. It's not a day of differences and opinions and entitlement, nor people versus other people, us versus them. This is a national and worldwide day of reflection. Inuit in itself, the word means all living people. We are being Inuit every single day, whether we know that or not. All across Inuit Nunangap, Inuit homelands, our home community of Anukshuak in Nunavik on the Hudson Bay, Inuit in other communities are also wearing orange. Residential schools happened in the north. And it's time also to share the awareness, to share together, to listen, to each other. Listen wholly and intently without any words back or words of contention or contest. It's our time that all of our truths are coming out and there will be more to come. We happen to be together on what is called Canada Day. It's a day of reflection and we will go on Inuit IQ values, Inuit ways of being, natural ways of being, respecting all living things. 
working for the common good, being in harmony and returning to harmony, planning for the future, ways of being that we are all capable of, all people, Inuit, all living people, we are all capable. And for the times to come, and for all across the country, and also discovering worldwide the impacts of colonialism. We live it every single day, and as Indigenous peoples, this is our truth that is lived every single day. And what are we leaving for our children? What kind of an imprint is going to be left for the youth and the children. So I implore everyone, everywhere, not just in our group here in Guelph, to go in kindness. Our hearts are together today. And in the way of being Inuit, we are working for the common good, whether we know it or not. We are finding that harmony today that needs to happen every single day and in support of the times to come because there will be more unearthings at other residential schools. How many people knew or know that there was a residential school and a federal day school in Inukshuaq, Nunavik? This is my family's truth that I am bringing here today. So for all people, Every single day, it's a day of reflection. And across our country, right now, Inuit Nunenga, Turtle Island, and what is called Canada, this is a time for all people to just put everything aside and be kind. It's the kindness. And I understand that in colonial ways, there isn't going to be kindness. This is where we need to stand together, all people, unite together and love all people. Even the people that are haters or opposers or contesters, now is not the time, nor has it ever been the time to fracture relationships. Indigenous peoples have known since the very first residential school and all that has happened until the last one closed in 1996 and the last federal day school in 1997, indigenous people have always known the truth. And what is happening now, there's a new freedom. This is a time for a new freedom where all of the truth is being known and seen and heard the children are free. The children can make their journey. The children can make their journeys home and the families can also make that journey with them. My name is Jade. Um, I don't know how to introduce myself in my language because I got that um, opportunity ripping away from me as a child. I'm not gonna say too much because I'm very angry at everything that is going on, but um, if the death of 1,500 children doesn't piss you off, something's wrong with you. Woo! Woo!
stick to reading a poem so I don't end up spitting venom. And I'm going to let the poem speak for itself. Kokums dig their crooked fingers, earth deep, in remembering. Like overgrown children, they scrape in a 20-foot square garden plot, hunched on their hunches. They tilt through the soil, small buttons from school uniforms, unearthed alongside phantom bones. Imagine, boys on one side, girls on the other, set to slumber without a goodbye, in unplanned graves, their hide coverings long ago melted away into clay. While grandmothers search out lost children, nearby, the elders lightly drum, singing the spirits home, a handful of buttons and bone. Let's bring our children home. Layla Black Young Yachts, Anawara Niwagi Daroran, Ganyake Haga Niwago Windroran, Oswego Nidawagino. Hello, welcome. My name is Layla Black. I am Mohawk Turtle Clan from the Six Nations of the Grand River. I'm a generational survivor of the Mush Hole, the Mohawk Institute Residential School. It was the first residential school and the longest operating closing its doors only in 1970, and it's just down the road. People in Brantford don't even know that it was there. You heard that I introduced myself in my language, Kenyakehaga, the Mohawk language. I was never taught that. I was never taught who I was as a Mohawk woman. My grandfather, as amazing and as proud and as wise as he was, he never taught me my ceremonies. He never taught me my language or my culture. And it wasn't his fault. Instead, he passed me a code of shame that many of us Indigenous people can relate to. Don't tell them that you're Native. Don't use your last name. Don't go to the reserve. You'll be, you won't get the job. I remember him telling me that when I was applying for a job as a young teenager. Make sure you go hand it in because if they see your last name, you won't get the job. So I had to grow up with this unknowing, this calling. I knew I was connected in some way to this land. I knew that I had this fire inside of me, but I didn't know, I didn't know anything about it. I had been taught to hide it. And I remember, as I started to seek my culture, go back to my community, I was afraid. I was afraid they wouldn't accept me. I was afraid I wasn't native enough. And, but I went anyways. I remember sitting at an event and they started the event with what's called the Ahoda Gariwadegwa. And they were called the words before all else. The Thanksgiving address is how we start all gatherings. It's how we bring our minds together to acknowledge and to give gratitude for all elements of creation and to bring our minds in that space. Sometimes those, th those uh, prayers can take up to 20, 30 minutes. When is the last time that you spent 20 minutes giving thanks, being grateful? And this lesson, even though I didn't know the words that were being said, I knew that they had meaning. I knew that they had they had a history within me. It was like my, my DNA recognized the Ahodankariwadegwa. And that's what sparked my reclamation journey.
to take back my language, to learn my culture, to go to ceremony, and to understand who I am. So I work very closely with the Woodland Cultural Center. Um, I've helped with their Save the Evidence campaign to preserve the building and turn it into a site of conscience, a site where people can go and learn and hear the stories. And I've had the chance to speak to many survivors. And there's one story that always sticks out to me. And it was from a survivor named Geronimo Henry. He went to the school when he was five years old. He stayed at that school. He didn't leave until he was 16. No one ever came to pick him up. He never left for 11 years, 365 days of the year. And he said to me, Layla, in those 11 years, never once did I hear the words, I love you. Just sit with that as a, for a moment, as a child, and these generations after generations after generations of children that never heard the words, I love you. And as a generational survivor, I can tell you that that affects how you parent your children. That affects how you show love to your children. And now, as this next generation, we are processing this. We are finally understanding it, and we are strong enough to heal from it. But one of the words I'd like to teach everyone today, in honor of all of those children that never heard the words, I love you, is a Mohawk word. Repeat after me. It can be a little tricky. Gonalonkwa. Gonalonkwa. Means I love you. So now we're going to say it all together, and we're going to say it for all of those children. Gonalonkwa. 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 We love you. We are here for you. Not only have I worked with survivors, but I also work very closely with the community. And as you can understand, there has been a huge outreach to Woodland Cultural Center from Indigenous and non-Indigenous. And one of the questions that I am hearing over and over again is, what do I do now? How can I help? How can, what, what is the next step? So as we walk today, every step that you take on this walk is a, a new step. It's that step forward, one step at a time, okay? And we're here today not to bash Canada, as easy as it is to get really angry. And even working at Woodland Cultural Center, I, I've had to process that anger, having to help non-Indigenous people process this and seeing donations come in like wildfire, suddenly feeling myself triggered, angry. You think your money? Can help you think your money can make it better and then realizing that I have that perspective to see that that's not my anger that's not truth the truth is is that the, that is the first step the first step is their you know their hashtag or their share or, or their donation that's the first step we're here today because we're, we're ready to walk we're ready to walk together not just take a step we're ready to walk side by side down this road down this river of life. I'd like to teach you one more word, and I hope this word gives you hope. And it was taught to me. Yugot nigorio. Yugot nigorio. 
means her beautiful mind. And when I think of that, I think of our Mother Earth, and I think of this planet that we're on, and her mind is beautiful. And I feel that change, I feel that shift that's happening, because it is not us and them. It is not you and me. We are all connected. I am just as dependent on that white pine to grow. If that white pine dies, I die, you die. We are all dependent on this, on this, on this world and connected, interconnected as one. And together, we are making her mind beautiful. So thank you so much for having us here today, for walking with us, for standing together. And just remember, as we take those steps together side by side, that this is a new day. We don't go back to Canada Day. We are changed. Once you learn something, you cannot unlearn it. You cannot pretend you don't know the truth now. You are forever changed. Your eyes, your perspective, everything is different. Every step you take down this road is different. And it will always be. And that gives me hope. That gives me hope. I know that it is not just a trending hashtag. It is not just a, a fad or cool to wear orange. Orange is not just the new black. It means something. Something has changed within you. And today we walk to celebrate that change, to honor those children, to honor our ancestors that speak through us as the next generation, that are speaking and looking on us with pride as we share these stories with you. And we encourage you to learn more, to seek more. Every day, seek the knowledge. Go back to the traditional teachings that we have lost so clearly. To first give thanks. So I'm grateful for everyone that's here today. I'm grateful for this day that we are here to walk together. For the last year now, I've been the spokesperson at Landback Lane. And for the last year, we've had every manner of police, surveillance, rubber bullets shot, people being tasered and dragged from our lands. Over this last year, I think today especially, kind of reflecting on what Canada Day means for us. For what this last year has meant to me and what, what pride that I have in my nation. Because I come from the Mohawk Nation, I'm Wolf Plant. And that pride in my nationhood as a Mohawk and what that means to be able to stand for those lands. And I think about what some of the speakers talked about before me, about not being angry, not having hate, because I am angry, you know, I am pissed off, because we've gone through a lot at Six Nations to be able to hold even just this small bit of land that continues to shrink around us. You know, as we talk about residential school and missing and murdered indigenous women, you know, like these are the things that we want to be able to offer to those people that have been lost from our communities and lost from our nations. We want to be able to give them an opportunity to come home. We want to be able to say that our community is a community that is willing, it is, is able to grow and thrive like every other city, every other town that has grown exponentially over the last 150 years. You know, the only one of those towns and cities that has gotten smaller are reserves. You know, we continue to shrink.
separates us from our support networks and our families, our nations, and our clans. You know, and we want to be able to say, like what Layla was just talking about, when we want, we want to be able to tell our children that we love each other. I want my 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 mother to be able to tell her grandchildren, my kids, that she loves them. But if I'm living in Toronto, if I'm living somewhere else because I've got nowhere to grow, my community isn't has an opportunity to be able to thrive as a nation, a nation that has been here for. 10,000 years or better. You know, like this is, these are the parts of who we are when we talk about that connection to the land, when we talk about that connection to community and our nations. That was that connection that these schools and these churches and the governments and those cops and those courts all try to separate us from that connection. Try to push us against each other so that we end up fighting with each other more than we're fighting with them. And you know that fight for us isn't a fight about weapons and guns and using our fists. It is about being able to love each other. And I'm gonna and, and you know what I challenge each and every one of you what Layla was saying just earlier and it, it, it strikes a chord with me so deeply. Because we need to be able to have that fierceness that we talk about with that warrior spirit to be able to fiercely love the fuck out of each other because this is what is needed to be able to make any change right now. The time for Prime Minister tears and apologies and grandstanding, those times are over. The time for action is now and we need to be able to push to make sure that we get that change. You know, I'm quite humbled by these women that came before me to, to speak today. Because of that message of love, that message of, of gratitude. For all of you coming to support the folks that are doing all of this amazing work. Um, the work that Woodland Cultural Center does, that these archaeologists are doing across the country to be able to bring some of those children home. You know, and when we talk about what action we need to take in order to push, in order to make some difference, to make some change, you know, for a lot of people that capacity is, you know, donating $20 to the Woodland Cultural Center so they can start a real process to being able to bring those babies home. For other people it is getting involved in organizing, pushing your MPPs and your MPs to make sure that police aren't raining bullets down on peaceful occupations like Land Back Lane. You know, and we want to say from all of us at 1492 Land Back Lane that we are grateful and Guelph has been out in such a huge way. Like I cannot say enough the amount of gratitude and love that I have for everybody that continues to come out. And there's, there's people in this crowd right now and you know who I'm talking about. Like I love every one of you, it, is, it, it, it lifts my heart and gives us an opportunity to be able to come together, to be able to have these rallies, these marches. But I expect from all of you, now that the wool has been come, come off of your eyes, you can see exactly what it is, that trauma that our, our nations have been dealing with now for 200 years. You know, and this isn't something that is a historical trauma that we talk about, something that happened 
you know, when the Mayflower got here. You know, this is something that my parents, that my grandparents, and that now I am dealing with on a daily basis is what that looks like to bring those children home, to bring those missing and murdered indigenous women home. And so I, I say to all of you, and I need to know from all of you that you guys are going to make that stand to make sure that this stuff does not happen again, to make sure that there is never going to be anything buried ever again, to make sure that when Ongohoi people make a stand, that you're going to be standing there right beside us. Thank you to everybody. Because uh, without you, you know what, this last year would have been a lot harder and certainly a lot more arduous as, you know, those winter days were kept warmer by propane and gas runs and food donations and people cooking a hot plate, bringing it out to the people that managed through the snow, the rain, the mud, the sleet, the hail to be able to stand these last. 350 days peacefully occupying our lands and I'm really grateful to all of you. assist Indigenous communities across Canada, there are a number of ways you can do it, including giving to True North Aid, which you can find at truenorthaid.givecloud.co slash donate. You can also give to the Orange Shirt Society, which raises awareness about the intergenerational trauma caused by residential schools, and you can find them at 
orangeshirtday.org slash donations. And finally, if you want to give to the Indian Residential School Survivors Society, you can find their link at irsss.ca slash donate. And if you are a residential school survivor and you do need to talk to someone, there is help available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at the National Indian Residential School Crisis Line at 1-866-925-4419. That is 1-866-925-4419. Do not suffer in silence. Ah!